Hello all. This is the second part of our interview with Amber talking all things ACK adjacent. To catch you up where we ended last time. This is the most vulnerable part of the story. It is. Well, but How also, are you going to get out of that? Welcome to Afterlives with Kara Cooney, in which we discuss ancient Egyptian history and relevant current events that we think will be of interest to our audience. I am Kara Cooney, and I'm a professor of Egyptology at UCLA. This podcast is separate from my teaching and research roles at UCLA. In recent years, I've become active in communicating with the general public about the history of ancient Egypt through lectures, interviews, social media, books, and guest appearances. This podcast is my opportunity to take the kinds of deep dives into history that are not always possible in academic formats. You know, I mean, technically, of course, it is a choice to have yeah. children. So it was a sacrifice that, you know, my but partner and I consciously made. Right. I think that is your point, that it shouldn't right? be a sacrifice People have children. to the degree it that it is. Yes, a very expected option yes, yes. that people choose. But this is also where I got lucky in that And you shouldn't have be dependent gap. upon a partner to keep you safe to be able yes. to make this yeah. choice. It's the true. system it's true. should be <laughs> it drives me, yeah. It drives up. me yes. mad. Right, but because of that little bit of luck, like I said, with Art Muse LA, I didn't, ha I know, I didn't have that gap. I have like a yeah. little gap because mm -hmm. fall 2012, I leave transition. the villa. By early 2013, I'm sort of officially in with Art Muse Los mm. Angeles, you know, working for Claire. Um, and uh, which turned out to be wonderful, you know, at the time. Flexible. Um, I was doing administrative type work for her that I could do remotely. Mm. And while I was pregnant and still like relatively mobile, I could go off and I could do tours mm. and programs. I gave the first Art Muse LA, Art Muse LA tour at the villa. Pregnant. Uh, I think I was. I don't know. I had to. I had to look. Um, if it was yeah. post February 2013, yes. <laughs> but um, what happened in February. <laughs> right, yeah. February is a cold month. Valentine's Day. <laughs> cold. Uh, yeah. yeah, but remember, it was a Valentine's Day with a toddler, so I wouldn't count on Valentine's you Day. But yeah. number two Something in there. Happened. Right? there. Um, Immaculate conception. <laughs> yes. That's how it happens, right? Right, no. of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, it offered, for for the place that I was, the combination of life, career, it offered the flexibility I, ne yeah. I, I needed, the remote, you know, aspect, you know, that I needed. And um, I, I worked for Art Muse LA for, you know, around three years. And again, another bit of luck, um, about the time where Art Muse LA was really starting to, uh, sort of starting to take off and move in a direction of more contemporary art, mm -hmm. Um, of course, my specialty, specialty is, yes. is ancient art, um, and its needs were kind of changing, and I was still at a place where I needed a lot of flexibility, a lot of remote-type work, mm -hmm. um, instead of, you know, shooting off to do uh, tours and, yeah. and programs and Being that there stuff. Being there in person. LA traffic, right, was mm -hmm. a factor. I still yeah. had a toddler that I had to have, mm -hmm. you know, some full-time daycare responsibility for, not to mention number two, who had come along, you know, at that point. Especially, I mean... Presumably, you, you want to be there. And I wanted so, to be yeah, there. You know, like, sure, yes, I never, wanted to be around for yeah, my children. Yeah. <laughs> people, like, never, I feel like they never take that into consideration. Like, Or you never that, feel like, like you can want it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like, or that it's a viable option, or it should be like yeah, or that you're allowed like, to want it. Or something, yes. But it should be like yeah. a given that you yes. obviously no, want to No, if be you're not cage fighting constantly, then you lose out yeah, on the like, battle. Right, right. 
Like, that's the way it is. To, if you take out of the, yeah. yourself out of the cage fight yeah. for three yeah. or four years, then yeah. you, you have 16 years to catch up. Right. Well, <laughs> so. and of course, during all of this, you know, again, my partner, Eric, is helping to facilitate my ability to be able to mm -hmm. do this, my ability to, you know, support us on the one hand, childcare wise, but also bring in like a little bit of, you know, additional income. Mm -hmm. um, but he has the benefits, right? Because he has a full-time position, yep. you know, so we've got dental, we've got healthcare, we've got what we need. Right? Yeah, I saw, actually saw an article recently talking about like the struggle of being single. Yeah. Like yes. not having someone to split rent with, yeah. not someone yeah. having to split utilities with. If you become unemployed yeah. and the other Child person's care. still employed, then yeah, you have to If I was, have something if I was single, Art Musele might have not been a choice because but, or no if you're a single parent, like, like, oh my God, like, yeah, no, beyond, your mom in town? beyond challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah like it was so much huge. But a, a partner around helps. that time, things were shifting. You also, I think you had mentioned to Eric that you kind of needed some help. So again, this isn't luck. You say luck. It's not luck. It's whom you know. It's the networks you have. It's yeah. the abilities that you Let's display say, you and prove. If you suck, <laughs> no amount of luck's going to help you out yeah. here. So, yes, Sarah I did need not. someone at the time in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about it in 2015. And <laughs> and you were there with two kids at home. And I'm like, I could work with somebody at home. I, I could. I know Amber. I know Amber. I know what Amber is capable of. And so... So who reached out to whom? Eric was our inter. Our I think you said yeah. I think you said something to Eric, and Eric comes to me because he knew like I was starting to look at my next move. Yeah. You know, and so he's like, you know, Kara told me that you know she's gonna you know really need someone you know to help. you need to email Kara like just talk to Kara like he didn't want to do it but he was like just talk to Kara. He saw the you opportunity. Saw yeah, and growing. so I think I emailed you and you immediately were like, yes, I need help. <laughs> Yeah. And the next thing I know, I'm drowning in a coffin spreadsheet, you know, um, which at once was like disorienting. And at, at but the so same time, it was also was like, like, yeah, it was like coming academic. home. Yeah, yeah, it was like coming like, home. Wait. I was like, ah, you know, this is it, you know, like an old pair of it was shoes. a glorious ancient mess. Yes, it, it was. Yeah. And so um, then, you know, I start working for you um, a lot. <laughs> And you start having a lot more going on with National Geographic Live uh -huh. and, and your books, yep. you know, your academic publications yeah. and that sort of thing. And eventually you found Patina Productions. No, I didn't do it. Remy did it. He was over there in the corner. Well, you're technically yeah. co-founder, aren't you? I mean, no. Are you CEO? Am I co-founder? You're CEO. I think you're co-founder. He's, oh, I'm co-founder. Yeah, so it's yeah. his fault. It's yeah. his fault. Though. It's totally his fault. Right. Thank God for it. So what does Patina... Patina gives an ancient patina to all kinds of things. So we are consultants to Hollywood, to um, amusement parks, to um, authors, authors, yeah, um, all different kinds of people. Um, Any kind of creator that might need ancient expertise. Mm -hmm. And uh, anything that I do, then but can... I, I think, as you said, like, it's the codification of this alt act stuff that we all get away yeah, yeah, yeah right that's yeah. we always end up getting these side gigs yeah it's like how do we codify this into a business and make it mm -hmm. like a, a thing it's an actual thing it's you an know? actual company yeah and we did it right and yeah. it's it's an escort and, and it, all of these things and we pay you the right you know, way you can put it on your cv and it's not just you yes. know helping it's a company it's, it's a, a company. legit company it's <laughs> like it has this gravitas to it you know yeah. So it's the codification of all these things we end up doing as academics on the mm -hmm. side. 
-hmm. It's um, kind of funny. It means that if you come to UCLA, you are trained in how to be Alt-Ac while you are ac mm -hmm. And that's okay because it's a total crapshoot about what's going to happen after. So mm -hmm. you might as well be able to zig and zag and figure it out. Or if you become academic, do both. Scary. It's yeah. not as scary. And, and try to, yeah. if they, you know, if they're going to commodify you, and we learned this in King Tut together in 2005, mm -hmm. if they're going to commodify you, then you might as well figure out how to be um, elegantly commodified <laughs> yeah. and also how to commodify in turn. So well, that you and benefit. like get, you get something out of it. You know, you get something out of it, but yet you still also can contribute in the way you want to contribute. And because control, you get that knowledge out there. You and control how you're public. being used. Well, that's why I don't do TV anymore, yeah. right? Why mm -hmm. should I do TV, which doesn't pay very well? Or if it does pay very well, I'm working like a dog mm -hmm. to produce myself so that yeah. I have it the way I want. Oh, and I don't own my copyright. Or I could write a book and own my own copyright. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so the, you start to learn what the different media are and how to work it. And um, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. we kind of teach that too. But so Amber has become, if I may, toot your horn for you. Um, I call her the wind beneath my wings for a reason because she helps me with everything. She helps me to stay on. And she, I had a decision at a certain point when I had a kid because kids form everything for women in particular. And I had to decide, do I put more money into hiring childcare or do I put more money into hiring somebody who can help me do the things, the shit things in particular, sorry, the shit things that that I can do so that I can spend time with my kid and still have somebody doing these things for me as well. So Amber helps me with, like my bibliography is all up to date and perfect. She helps mm -hmm. me with footnoting. She helps me to keep on time with, with deadlines. She helps me with editing of, of different articles mm -hmm. and bibliographic citations. She helps me to keep, to make sure that my letters of rec are in on time, which is a, a big responsibility for a professor at an R1 university. Um, you help me with image copyrights for, for my books. You help me with my PowerPoints. Mm -hmm. um, I even did a drawing for uh, When Women Rule the and World. And she did a drawing <laughs> that is in When Women Rule the World that says Amber Myers Wells drawing. And all kinds of weird things that she's learned how to do for my publishing, my speaking, but and a, my teaching. A great point all of to it. make here would be one thing about Alt-Ac is that your academic background, like my academic background, my what professional experience I have like literally tailored me to be able to so work for like, like you need yes you stuff. need someone you couldn't or, have just hired some random yeah you needed person. someone with an Egyptology background who was familiar with both museums academia yeah. the literature um, yeah how to deal with an yes. a primary ancient primary source you could yeah. read yeah. hieroglyphs so how you to know write what you're an talking email about. to a professor or a curator yeah. about a particular thing yeah. to get a particular or even to know a little thing. bit about how museums work you mm -hmm. know what department you might mm -hmm. need to to contact um you know, uh, and like you say, the the Egyptology, yeah. you know, sources, the, you know, when you say, I need kitchen, <laughs> you know, like, that's <laughs> not going to, that's going to mean something different, you know, to non-Egyptologist than it would to an Egyptologist. Yeah. So um, one advantage of Alt-Ac is that if you are looking, you know, in the right places, you can find things that... Um, really not a lot of people can fulfill like yeah. that your specific background can really add um, a good um, which means you can't burn bridges 
you can't blow it all up and just walk away. Though you, you can if you need to. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that because some things get so toxic, you need to just yeah. walk away. Mm -hmm. But if you maintain relationships and you're able to keep going in a particular area, mm -hmm. then that area might might end up paying you dividends mm -hmm. in return. And mm -hmm. for those of you saying this isn't all DAC, you're, you're working for this company that has an academic side, it's much more media related than you might yeah. think. And um, she is, uh, what's your title? A director of operations. Mm -mm. Yeah, so <laughs> but exactly. also I would make the point about the term alt-ac is, yeah, people define it in different ways. I think initially when it came out, it was, say, a position within a university yes. that was not tenure-track or tenured. But now, because of... ac adjacent now. It, well, and, so. but because of the way things have progressed from the Great Recession yeah. to other challenges within academia, it has come to mean something a bit more broad mm. where you take skills yes. and degrees that you've learned perfect. within academia transition yes and you apply My next them question yeah but also one thing that i think that we could get to and i think that this is on your list as well is the um mental slash yes. emotional side of going from academia yep. to alt to a different field yeah, yeah because we've i we have not addressed that and it was yes. definitely a big part yeah. of what came next <laughs> so given that we have to make a pause soon we're gonna make so a pause say, we're, we're gonna, gonna go have a break pizza. we're gonna have a pizza break yeah and then we're gonna come back and then we'll come back and we're back okay so <laughs> we last ended um kind of finished up your life story we're heading <laughs> yeah. for the storm und drang it's a german expression for the storm and the noise Something, yes, the noise, thank you. <laughs> For the angst. We're heading to the angst. To the angst. So my one question mm -hmm. is, so that many people, you know, pursue humanities PhDs and think they are hemmed into, you know, you get a PhD and then the only job you can get is being a professor. Yes. And obviously Alt-Ac is in reaction to this, saying that's not the case. Well, in it's reaction to reality. In yes, reality. it's in reaction to po to late capitalist reality. This but is I what also we have think to do just with. saying alt is probably like is has a negative tinge inherent in it that it's not the um, that it's not anyone's first choice, right? The first choice is the professor, and then if that doesn't happen, you all you know switch to this alternative track, alternate track of doing this other thing. Yeah, and. I think many of us know people who go into getting a PhD who don't ever want to be a professor. Mm -hmm. And the goal is always to do this alternative academic thing, to mm -hmm. use the these skills. These days, yeah. These days, a lot mm -hmm. of times. Or they go through the academic process and they're like, I hate this. Mm -hmm. I don't like the politics. I don't like teaching, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. I don't want to pursue this. I want to go a different direction. And so... What are these skills and how are they Oh yeah, if you show up with like Egyptology yeah, in any like, place, like, or even you, just nearing Eastern languages yeah. and cultures, they're like, okay. Like, what is that? And so how right. do you, like, what's, what are the skills that are transferable? I think part Making of Making it not seem this like second choice. Perhaps, well, making you know? it not seem a second choice or that you are not a fit anywhere outside of this yeah. very narrow, you know, placement. Well, one, I think, is what we were talking about earlier about networking. You know, if you're networking, people get to know they have a background in Egyptology or some very specific humanities type um, field, but you can communicate. You can write. You can speak. Yeah. Um, you can uh, research. And can I, can I jump in? Yeah. Networking is not just going to a conference and talking to a bunch of people and saying, hi, I'm Bob Jones, of welcome. <laughs> no, but, but networking is also, it's not just 
trying to get something. Mm -hmm. You should be networking constantly when you don't need something right yeah. right now. Just, you should yeah. be networking just to know who's who, right. just to have a community of people that are around yeah. you, not to get. You can tell when somebody is networking to get yes. and when somebody is just networking because they want to have yeah, a Yeah, you don't want to network with a mercenary intent. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, you should just want to get to know people in your yes. field yeah. and let them get to know you. Yeah. And... Yeah. So communication for humanities is, is a big deal, but mm -hmm. also... Um, like the three of us have all been engaged in archaeology at one point or another, so there are other skills like uh, surveying, mm -hmm. um, database management, mm -hmm. collections management. Um, these days, uh, GIS, GIS yeah. um, you know, other types. Those are more techie archaeological yes. things. You yeah. could do State Department diplomacy yes. type stuff, working for an mm -hmm. NGO, grant writing, even understanding publishing, certain softwares. Understanding yeah. certain softwares. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about. Uh, working for intelligence groups, um, FBI, languages, languages yeah. um, understanding cultural ways that are different from one's own, doing research with limited information, um, non-profit, non grants. Humanities it covers the gamut. Yeah. You yeah. know, like you encounter various skills at one and point so, or another. But like, why do you think it is that there's this, within our culture, I feel like that humanities isn't worthwhile. There's this belief well, I think in one way we've kind of touched on earlier is that it's a study uh, or a field of study often associated with women. <laughs> like yeah. women tend to be the historians of the family. They tend to teachers, be keepers of tradition. Teachers or women. Traditionally like teachers. Um, yeah. But also it doesn't feed the capitalist patriarchal system. It doesn't system. produce deliverables yes. that can be commodified it explicitly. It produces fuzzy things like kind of copyright, kind of an idea, kind of an idea here or there. And it's something that's so fuzzy and strange that people then devalue it and say it doesn't exist, like, it's not important. Do you think and we can change that? It, it will how, change. Is it how us as humanities people, can we change the marketing of it? To get out there and be a part of the rest of the world yeah. and outside of academia, you know? And these things, we've argued, and what we've talked this whole time about being buffeted about by the way, the system that we are in right now, which we cannot change. We are in a late capitalist, messed up, mm -hmm. um, patriarchal system. But that system also has ups and downs and fashions and in, in a wave. And there have been times in the last 200, 300, 400 years when humanities, as we might define it, has been very sexy, mm -hmm. uh, very fashion forward, if you like. And right now we are going through, I would say, the later stages of an anti-humanities pushback. Mm -hmm. And we have a whole bunch of people in university for a trade of some kind. And they get out there and the employers are like, well, can you write? Write this for me. Can you read this and tell me what it means? Oh, you can't do fucking any of that. And there is going to be an interest in training people again. Mm -hmm. And there will be employers going to places that train in a STEM engineering way and that say, your people are not doing what we need yeah. them to do. They're, they don't have the all-around skills that we need to be able to put them into this corporate machine. Yeah. So that will have a, a place. But there will also be a place where people are hungry for something that isn't just a STEM trade something. And I'm not trying to denigrate it. STEM and... and Trade schools and trade education is important, but so is learning how to read and write and speak and, and argue and think. Yeah. And to understand our past. Yeah. Yeah.
Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. You yeah, know, you, various you know, speaking to like, the choir. <laughs> yes. You know, we, I, I, don't, I think we even frame it that way, right? Like, oh, people who have, like, so-and-so, they have a real job. Mm-hmm. And now we frame it, there's, there's this, like, separation. But it's, like, all of us could easily be very successful in, like, a very traditional business world, I think. Yeah. There's nothing, uh, there's not a skill that we don't have that would, you know, make us be able to be successful. Mm-hmm. everything you know that we wouldn't know you could easily pick up so quickly and so it's like yeah but if you applied for that ceo of x business would they even look at your cv they would now with 4.2 percent unemployment hell so. yes they would look so it's at just it. more depends on the larger economy i think the and how you again is it more knowing the right people and saying oh they have an egyptology degree but they're really good so you should like give them a go or something like this. It's that too, but we're also trying to re I mean, the fact that Amber works for some outfit called Bettina Productions that I invented with Remy speaks to the fact that we are trying to invent humanity's positions ourselves that serve us in a way that we should, we should have them. And if you go back 70 years in the United States, there were positions in publishing at museums that didn't gigify everyone and treat everyone like ass. Mm -hmm. These positions were reasonable. They gave pensions. They allowed it usually a man to work and support his whole family with this position for a length of a career. Yes. And you stayed at that museum or a higher institution of learning, whatever it was, we have destroyed those things. We have blown them up from the inside out. And now we are trying as a community. There are many of us, there are millions of us who value the humanities and we are coming together in our own ways and creating our own communities uh, of practice. (laughs) If we, if we may use a, a little bit of a, a phrase of the of the academic world right now to try to create something in which we can cr- we can manufacture safety and some sort of a pension type i mean you know it's it's you're still gigified yes but we're trying to create we're we're trying to form something from the bottom up such that you have stability mm-hmm. and you have the the ability to create a runway and and move forward or you might stay in this position until you retire she says hopefully I, why not <laughs> why not and then we and and why shouldn't we create it ourselves instead mm-hmm. of waiting for corporate america to come around and see the value of the of the freaking humanities i'm sick of that so we should we should create yeah. it and if we see value in the marketplace then then we create it well, ourselves well and i think that's the ultimate lesson of alt ac is that you are creative in your academic work but then you have to be creative in making your career as well mm-hmm. because the traditional paths that have been more open in the past are becoming narrower and narrower. Um, But um, just an example, I've seen a lot of alt-act discussions out there in the Zoom world. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that go into development, which is so late-stage capitalism, I don't even know what to do. So you can't get a job as a tenure-track professor, but you can get a fucking job making money for the university and pulling it from private donors who have so much money they don't know what to do with it. And then you build and you curry favor with all these different rich people to pull money into a university X, Y, or Z, and you are now a development person. You could take that development job and wait for 
corporation A, B, or C, or institution of higher learning to give you that job. Or you can take those development skills and you can create your own escort mm -hmm. and you can start to do that for yourself and develop the shit out of something that you understand the value of and that you can control where, where it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because that money pulled in, you know, through development, whether it's in a museum or a university, um, likely is going to go to the top 1% who benefit oh, yeah. from it's that institution. Gonna... Yeah. It's not going to go to like, students who need to pay yeah. tuition mm -hmm. or, or to more staff, just more staff. Exactly. Exactly, or paying things. people. And I don't mean <laughs> high admin stuff. I mean yeah. just the, the in-the-trenches staff that we need to get jobs done because they yeah. may have lots of high admin people in institutions of higher learning, but let me tell you, they're cutting staff right and left, and who has to do those jobs but the, the few professors who right. we get to have left as tenure-track positions. Right, and these jobs that I've talked about, you know, they are employment. They did, you know, most of them come with benefits, but they weren't incredibly high-paying, mm -hmm. you know, and as you were, you know, mentioning it still required a two-income household yep. you know yep. to be able to, to function so um, cobbling it together is not necessarily something right now that you can do on your own you know? I mean it's it's the coolest thing that we could have this conversation with me in the late Bronze Age and a Daryl Medina artisan. We could put the Daryl Medina artisan right here and we could be like, hey, Daryl Medina artisan, you used to work for the Vizier and the King and you, I mean, you still kind of do, but you know, they're not paying you the way that they used to. What are you going to do? And Daryl Medina artisan's like, fuck that shit. I'm going to go and get some, some rich people to pay me to yeah. make stuff that I know how to make. Yeah. I'm going out and getting those, those contracts. I'm pulling in colleagues of my own and we are adapting and we are shifting and we are switching patrons because this patron is not paying me anymore. And I'm going to go to this other patron instead. Mm -hmm. We have been here before. We have done this before. Yeah. And all of this alt act discussion is just us trying to figure out how to deal with a changing economic and social landscape and a patronage system and some real deep social cataclysmic upheavals mm -hmm. that we are all talking about in mm -hmm. our own in our own ways yeah yeah well and trying to live life you know along with you know because academia hasn't necessarily been friendly to this idea as you were talking about earlier mm -hmm. of women no. who are the ones that have children mm -hmm. yeah. you know physically mm -hmm. um, and men now are also more focused on trying to make that more a part of you know, yeah, life. like why should you have to choose between work and your family and well, other pleasures in life? It shouldn't just be like yeah. this. Yeah. We, we were talking, I think, about in the break that like your career should not be you, you right? Yeah. Like there needs to be, your career is an aspect of you, but it should not be that closely linked to you where if something, you know, goes wrong or awry in your career path that it like completely and utterly destroys you that... Yeah. What you know. a brilliant capitalist strategy to yeah. say you don't uh -huh. get childcare, yeah. you don't get time off, you don't get a pension or retirement unless you're working constantly. And if you're not working constantly, you opt, opt out entirely. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you're not you only behind. You can't play at all. You're not only not playing, but then to catch up when you get back into the game, you have to run seven times as fast as you would have if you had stayed And be in. ten times as good as yeah. the people that have yeah. been running. And explain beginning. why. Yeah. But your point actually goes to the other thing that I wanted to touch on, which is... Um, uh, like, because we sort of talked about how I sort of rolled with the punches, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit. But yeah. the other side of that was sort of the mental, emotional, mm -hmm. you know, part of it. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, both of you know, and probably many of the listeners know, that um, 
you know, when you opt into, you know, graduate study or even as an undergraduate attempting to get into a graduate program, like you put a lot of time and effort into ego this. Ego gets very much involved. There's a little bit yourself. of ego, a little bit of ego, right. of course. Um, but there's also your identity, as you were just sort of talking about, mm -hmm. sort of becomes fused. Mm-hmm. With this idea of this is my field of study. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. The worthiest path or the the um, the actual achievement for me, um, like anything less than a tenure track mm -hmm. or a tenured position, you know, being a professor um, is going to be failure yep. or a cop out. It's, well, think about yeah. how you enter it. You, you have people saying, don't do it, because they see the changing economic yeah. landscape, too. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Don't you. go there. And you're like, but I love it, Mom. I love it, Dad. And they're like, okay. And then they support you. But now you have, by making that choice, you have linked your ego and your future success to this thing. Yeah. Much more than if you're deciding to get a job at... I don't know, Hertz rental car as an upper management person, right? right? Well, you're more pay to play and I can move here and then I'm going to move to this hotel group and then I'm going to move to this yeah, like thing. A typical nine to five. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. But, you know, from, from my own perspective, you know, of course, sort of the, uh, guillotine type nature of like my, like it, it literally sort of turned, turned on a dime. And so there was definitely, you know, uh, a mental and emotional, you know, component to it because, I mean, not only it had I invested time in and way, effort, right? I had moved across the country, yeah. you know, to a place that I didn't really want to go to, <laughs> Los Angeles. Which is um, now home. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, with nothing. that, like, aspect of you had this whole, like, oh, I'm going to be a professor, I'm going to do Egypt. Like, oh, or at least, the, like, that was the like, path that you were on, yeah. you know. Um, so there's also this idea that I know, you know, we had discussed how, you know, it was a choice. Like yeah. I could have stayed, I could have, you know, incurred further, you know, loans and debt. And so technically, you know, there was a choice involved and therefore you yourself have an opportunity to get up in your head about it and be like, did I make the did right I choice? Make the right choice? Yeah. But this you know, is did I cop the, out? This is the way these systems work because when they're dying, these systems, they still need to feed themselves yeah. with tuition money, with interested souls, with students, so that the people who are in it on the inside are showing that it's still working. Yeah. So we need sacrificial victims at the end of the system's life to feed into it as chum. Yeah. I'm not kidding. And that's why so many people in the academic world today are talking about grieving and mourning and how do they, how do they become yes. alt-ac and how do they shift and how do they become more flexible? This is the end yeah, stage of academia a, as we know it. Someone who gets a business degree yeah. and then gets a job doing, I don't know, something else. They're not mourning. They don't think about it in the same way. No. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. But, um, and that is certainly true, like from a meta, you know, kind of perspective. But when you're down on the ground, you know, no, with yourself, you don't know you're in the middle you, of the world, the gears of a machine. Well, but you have to work through it, you know, on your own terms. Yeah. Like, yeah. for instance, you know, I was less kind of concerned because I knew that this was a, a good choice for me, like sort of in the long run. Hmm. But, you know, the immediate, you know, sort of things that were occurring to me was, wow, I came out here, you know, all this way, I already incurred, you know, this debt, I did get a master's, which, you know, great, you know, and obviously has served me very, very well. But at the time, it was like, well, that, as you said, wasn't the original goal. Mm -hmm. So 
am I a disappointment to myself? Yeah, am I a disappointment to like don't forget that you're to Allison to anybody who had supported mm -hmm. me? You're getting you know? fucked over is part of this system as well because right. it's the it's the person at the top needing to sacrifice you for something else because they're trying to make themselves look good in a failing system. Right, but when you're in it, you don't feel you it that way. Yeah, <laughs> so I think a lot of people who either for one reason or another choose to leave this academic path, choose not to finish a PhD or choose to get a master's and go on another route or something, feel like they have to either like explain to people like mm -hmm. something had to went wrong. Mm -hmm. Like it couldn't have been like, oh, everything was going great and I just like didn't like it and mm -hmm. like decided to go this other route. Or I see on Twitter people sometimes saying like I'm, I'm choosing to, you know, end my academic like drop out of the PhD and go mm -hmm. a different route and people are always um, like the way it's framed is very interesting. Like I don't mm -hmm. I don't know if other career fields would be framed in the yeah. same way. I don't know what what yeah, would it kind be of a like. Funerary feeling yes, there's a very mourning, a very funerary. You know what it's like? Feel, like quitting acting, to to like it's like quitting it. acting yes. or something. I'm not going to try out for acting yeah. jobs anymore. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a real job. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. fact that we're like actors, yeah. we're always trying out for things. But is also just that crazy. like there's that inherent, I think, feel that something you did something wrong, like you mm -hmm. failed. Mm -hmm. Not that, oh, you, it's your choice to leave. And people are always like, oh, congr like, congrats, like, go on and stuff. But I always feel like deep down there's this inherent, like, oh, what happened? Like, something must have happened. Right, yeah. Like, well, and for... You know, oh, did you get kicked yeah. out? Like, did you fail something? Um, like, yeah. it's never just, like... It, to me, it's that, oh, if you had wanted to do a PhD from the get-go, why would you ever choose willingly to mm -hmm. walk away from it yeah that there's this inherent idea going on yeah no absolutely i mean i would bad. be i like, would be lying if i if i said that uh you know when i made that decision like i didn't on some level on many levels you know feel like i had failed you know in one way or another but with the perspective of you know a couple of decades you know i can look back and see like no you were you know as i said before you were rolling with the punches yeah. you know and you were making um, the decisions that ultimately were the best for me and not for the institution, yeah. not for, you know, um, that's the, how uh, systems change with system. a thousand tiny decisions by individuals. Yeah. People have to eventually be like, we're not going to put, you know, yeah. there's a variety of reasons why people choose to like certain programs can be so toxic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not like, Oh, are you strong enough to put up with it? Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe you shouldn't have to be mm -hmm. like willing to put up with it. You know, mm -hmm. walking away and being like, this isn't right, well, and it's not worth it. Like, no job is worth being miserable. Your and sacrifice also your shouldn't be burying it. yourself in a mountain of debt that you're never going to debt, be able to pay or, back like, in your lifetime. Even, like, emotional trauma, like, dealing with a really, like, yeah. maybe awful advisor or awful colleagues. Like, and if the system is constantly is said to be toxic, then it's probably the system and not the individuals yeah, yeah, who are within it. Yeah, it's not you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it almost says you're a stronger person if you walk away from it mm -hmm. in a way to I be like, so. I don't yeah, need eventually, this, eventually you know? I come around to that. I came around like, to that perspective in that, you know, rather than look at myself as, you know, I failed, I quit kind of thing. It became, no, I had the guts to walk away. Or like deep down, you knew that this was actually like the right decision. Yeah. And well, and I, I did. And that is foresight. true. But I also sort of from that side too, the fact that, you know, I mentioned I was the first generation, you know, mm -hmm. gra to graduate from university and my family. I also had a very 
healthy Midwestern perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, like where I come from, like there are, you know, certain immediate concerns. I had grown up, you know, um, you know, I was a manager at McDonald's. Like I worked in paper factories, you know, during, Mm -hmm. you know, my undergraduate years alongside people who, you know, they earn their living in these factories, Mm -hmm. you know, with their hands. So there was a certain perspective that I had where I can look at academia and I could step outside of it and I could see, you know, frankly, the ridiculousness of some of it Mm -hmm. and the way that it prioritizes the wrong things. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. prioritize people Mm -hmm. or helping people to make a living to provide for their families. Um, It prioritizes in, in some ways things that aren't that important ultimately when you're, you know, at the, there's other things in life. Meta perspective, as I said, before, you know, with your life, like there are certain things that are just more important. So, and so I had a healthy dose of that, which definitely helped, you know, um, along the way. But also looking back, like I've had a quite a, a varied experience, you know, compared to what I mm-hmm. might have had had I stayed within yeah. a, a university context. Uh, Eric and I never had to face that decision where. Are we going to live apart? Do we prioritize one career over another? You know, do we, um, like we we were never forced to, you know, fashion our personal lives based Mm -hmm. on our professional lives. Choose one over the other or something. Yes. Yeah. So. And now we're branching out into Hollywood, so. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to make it big. (laughs) 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 Names and lights. We're going to make it big. It's going to be great. I think within, you know, current people who are in their PhD programs, people who are maybe just finished and looking for other options, alt-ac or ac-adjacent jobs are very much in our minds. I think Mm -hmm. most of us know to try to, you know, keep them as an option and to... um, Go in with eyes wide open, go in ready to pivot. And to get other skills when you can Mm -hmm. throughout your PhD Mm -hmm. um, to be developing these things. So... You know, if people, anyone, anyone listening or overall, what would be your advice? You know, well, looking hindsight, looking back. Yeah, the the primary one and the things that I managed to do that were good that mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily set out to do, but just sort of instinctively went for. Um, one is the networking and to put yourself out there. Like me handing out my CV slash mm-hmm. resume around LACMA to the curators that I felt were open, you know, yeah. or that would be open to helping me in that way. Telling um, people when you're about great. to lose a position. I'm about to yes. lose this. What yeah. else is out there? So yeah. without the advocating for yourself, advocating being proactive, yourself, yeah. yes. right? Like things well, and, fall in your lap. And, and this is kind of a thing these days, like putting your brand out there, you know, mm-hmm. like um, not just like being friendly with people, but talking about, oh, this is what I do. And I also do do this and mm-hmm. I have this side skill and this side hustle and, you know, that sort of thing, making sure that people are familiar with the full, you yeah. know, uh, picture mm-hmm. of what you can do. Um, the other thing uh, that I would say is just, and this is just a practical thing, is to have a a CV, sort of an academic version, you know, of what you've done, but also a resume type version of Mm -hmm. what you've done. Something that's shorter that would communicate very quickly and very easily with someone who is completely unfamiliar with academia. Yeah. So learning to translate the skills that we get. Well, and to just translate it on the page. Yeah. Yeah. Palatable for non-academics. Yes. Yes, exactly. To have something like that 
ready task to management, go. project yeah. management, like using the lingo and of to the other fields update it, in your keep yeah. it keep it updated. And also, and I don't know if this is like a stylistic choice if you want to put it on the resume or not, but to write your own bio, like a brief, mm-hmm. you know, five to ten sentence thing that you could use maybe you don't like hand that out but it's something for you to use as a draft for an email or a starting place for a letter of interest your elevator pitch you know, type of thing yes exactly something where you know because especially as the years go by you know you look back oh you forget you know certain of the aspects of the things you know mm-hmm. that you did like for instance thinking all the way back to Lackman, the collections management stuff that yeah. you did you know working with multi-mimsy and yeah. that kind of thing that fades you know in memory mm-hmm. a little bit and so to have that documented or to have it in a place where you can remind yourself mm-hmm. of everything you know that you have done yeah. and when you're in the phd or ma phd program to go out of your way to not just study and take exams and write papers mm-hmm. but to also look around the university for other things that you can do mm-hmm. that add lines to that resume well and also in some ways to maintain contact Mm -hmm. like i'm trying to think like i think it was just because you were still in the la area for the most part and we were just friends like we knew each other on a personal level like we kept in touch yeah yeah, you know like and i still had your number and i still felt comfortable enough to call you yeah (laughs) well and it's not you don't have to think of yourself as mercenary it's not like you're keeping people around just right it's just to not lose touch (laughs) You know, to not let the the bridges disintegrate, you know. But also when we form a company, we want somebody who knows what the hell they're doing Mm -hmm. to come and help us lead Mm -hmm. it. And that would, in this case, is you, right? So it's it's also when you're looking around at all of the options and assets and and people who are out there, you want to know who the best people in a particular situation are. And a good way to do that is to have that, that. That time, that history. Well, I think personal experience for most people. Hence why, like, letters of recommendation usually count the most. It's Mm -hmm. a personal, um, you know, experience with someone. And that, I think, weighs the most. People can have good grades. People can have this or that and look really good on paper. But having someone vouch for you or provide their personal experience with you, I think as humans, always weighs the most. This is also a very good point, and to also have people that you would like to ask to be references or to write Mm -hmm. letters for you that are not within academia. Yes. So um, collect the, yes, as you go and think of those people and who could you pull pull on for uh, resources. And also to just tell them when you're thinking about it, saying, you know, hey, if I'm, you know, making a job application, would you be comfortable Mm -hmm. being a reference or, um, you know, talking about that project that we worked on or Mm -hmm. whatnot. So keeping a variety of types of references is good as well, because, you know, when you're applying for a job completely outside of academia, it's like, yeah, the doctor, the professor title, you know, looks good. But these are people who also want to hear from people about, yeah, yeah. exactly. They want to hear less about what you studied and more about mm-hmm. what you can do what have you produced yeah. and amber you know that the phd can in many ways in the alt-tac world be a problem mm-hmm. it can be an People issue they might have to pay you more that you're overqualified or, they, for yeah. something. or that you would want to leave as soon as possible that this isn't really what you want yes. to do it's your mm-hmm. third choice not your second not your first so or that you're a failed academic yeah, and you're they're like some, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas if you have a master's, that's a little bit more of a, well, you know, that's very common. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they like to see that graduate mm-hmm. degree. Yeah. 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 So if, here's a, we'll finish on something happy and positive to end, end out the, the interview. What's your favorite thing about being 
Um, about working for me. All that. Well, I'm right here. No, we started off with your, you know, initial passion for Egypt and mm-hmm. wanting to pursue this career. And now, you know, on the end side of things, uh, yeah. looking back, you're well, still involved in Egypt and true you know i have somehow managed to be able to drag it along with me like like this dead limb <laughs> keeps, keeps just dragging it along third arm uh, right yeah. yeah um i mean i would say that the the greatest advantage is something that again has been enabled in part by you know my partner eric is like the flexibility mm-hmm being able to incorporate much more of a family life than I probably would have um, otherwise. Um, But also, you know, in a way, I kind of did what I set out to do. I mean, coming from where I come from, you know, uh, becoming an Egyptologist is sort of like a, yeah, I'm going to go to Mars, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of of thing. And I got to go to Egypt multiple times. I got to participate in archaeological, you know, excavations. I got to be there and have that experience. But then I come back and I've always loved museums and I got to be a part of behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. you know, the Tut exhibition, I think we were talking the other day about like being there when they're taking things in and out of the vitrines. And you saw more of that Part than of I my did. job was to get really buddy-buddy with the couriers, yeah. you know, who were there to watch over, you know, the, the artifacts. And so, yeah, I got to be there at some amazing moments where you've got, you know, um, these amazing 18th dynasty, mm-hmm. you know, artifacts that are out there. They are right in yeah. front of you, you know, nothing in between, you know, mm-hmm. you and the object. So there's just little moments, you know, like that and crazy Hollywood moments like Leonardo DiCaprio and, you know, Jodie Foster. And so it's sort of like that element of surprise. Like mm-hmm. I feel like a, a professorship or a, a tenure track, track job might have had some less you know, surprising, yeah. you know, moments. There yeah. were some bends in the road that mm-hmm. uh, made things pretty interesting. And I think this is all to say that you still got all the pluses. I did, yeah. I got the benefits right? you without... You still got yeah. all this cool stuff, um, just in a different... You came at it from a different direction. Yeah, well, so and I get you know, to... It's not just one way to access Yes, I get to, I get to love Egyptology things. and not have it be my livelihood. I don't Shoved live or throat. die. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> In a particular way, it has to be this way. Yeah, no, I mean, I get to, you know, be a part of it for what I originally, yeah. you know, loved it for, which is get. just to to take it in, mm-hmm. you know, and and not have to live or die, not have to, you know, deal with the politics, yep. you know, of it. And um, and now, university you know, shenanigans. working for Kara, you know, <laughs> yes, she's listening very, very intently now. But the other, the other aspect I would say is I've gotten to work for some really, really cool people. You know, like I said before, Nancy Thomas was amazing, you yeah. know, to, to work for. Um, you know, Reiner was great. And everyone I worked with, you know, at the villa, Claire was, you know, great to work for as well. And, of course, I, I love working for and with you because I like the people I work with. That was another thing mm-hmm. I feel like I got really lucky in. I have really liked everyone I mean, I that think I that's worked the with. most important thing about a job. It's really not yeah, what a job it is. is. It's just having good colleagues. And well, because you're in the trenches you. together, yeah. and it might be crazy, but you know, you know, everybody's pitching in, and everyone's yeah. doing. We're not part. tossing each other under the bus. Yeah. No, it's not helpful. No. to anybody. You don't want that. And we're not creating a toxic system of abuse. No, 
It's just she has to say that she's going to <laughs> no contractually obviously. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's true, and it's it. There's a there's a formality to it, but there's also an informality where, you know, it, you know that you're you're working with reality. We're not inside like a strict bureaucracy or uh, something that involves you know um, a lot of interpersonal. You know, kind of, and we can be quite inventive. Mm -hmm. And because yeah. there's only two of us, and yeah. and Remy, and sometimes you, mm -hmm. we we have to do all things. Yes. And weren't we just in a discussion about how to get more clicks on mm -hmm. websites, etc.? And we're like, how do how does one do that? <laughs> we have to learn all this shit that we wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. And that's interesting. But yeah. because we, I feel like we have good research skills, good mm -hmm. project mm -hmm. management. No, skills, excellent. All yes. All these other things, those make you know, opens a lot of other doors. I can't even tell you easily learn number, how to do other. Yeah. I can't even tell things. you the number of things that I have taught myself, Yeah, yeah. you know, from the but beginning, being able to know how to teach yourself something. Well, and that's that the, that's the other aspect too. of, you know, advice is particularly, you know, early on, if there is an opportunity and you know, you're interested, say yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say it, it's the fake it till you make it attitude. It's more of a, I if can teach the, myself that. And if the opportunity arises, it's meant to be there. So take it. Yeah. And then teach try. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Take it and, it and teach yourself. I've taught myself, work. I don't know how many database softwares, mm -hmm. you know, um, all kinds, yeah. all kinds of different skills that, you know, you wouldn't think or, or that from cases, the outside seem complicated. Hard. Yeah. In a lot of cases, yeah, it's not that hard. And, you know, you can learn a lot from YouTube, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and if it weren't for Amber, I would know none of my passwords. Uh, that's, that's very true. <laughs> the password keeper. She is. That's the other thing we haven't discussed is you have to say nice things about me. I do. I know she I could totally destroy me <laughs> six Ross ways to talk. Sunday. She could destroy me. <laughs> like Ross that. Once. Right. Yes. <laughs> well. We'll pause it. We'll pause it there. Thank you for coming on from the background. Happy. Yes. To can I go back finally, to my corner now? <laughs> finally in front. This was really insightful, was and I'm sure fun. it was great to hear from you and your experience. Yeah. And, and we're gonna look into that Amelia Peabody thing. Yes. <gasps> Who wants to? So tell us if you want to do an Amelia Peabody. Uh, yeah. I think. Now. I, think, I we're, think we're just gonna do it, even if people. Don't I was gonna it. say yeah. Even if but no one shows up, we'll be there. But I want to wait till April because I have a, a Coffins book that I'm working on, right, Kylie? And yeah. so we're going to wait until April so that I can read with everybody. Wouldn't that be fun? It would be super fun. Yeah. I would love it. Yeah. And I'll be like the newbie going, oh, I can't believe that Touch X, Y, or Z happened. Device yeah. happened. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. And we'll let Amber take us out. This is Afterlives with Kara Cooney. That's me. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Thank you to our listeners for your support and for subscribing wherever you listen. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review and help raise our profile and let others know about it. Send your questions related to the show and topic suggestions for future episodes to karakuni at gmail.com. You can find the video version of the show on my YouTube page and full show notes will be posted in the podcast section of my website, karakuni.squarespace.com. For that, thank you, Amber Myers-Wells. There you'll also find info on my books, upcoming lectures, and you can subscribe to my newsletter. You can find me on Facebook at Karakuni Egyptologist and on Twitter and Instagram at Karakuni. 
see you next time on Afterlives with Kara Cooney.